So Father, you've heard our heart cry this morning. And Lord, as we pray in an alignment in accordance to your will, we can expect to receive from you. For you want to reveal in us who you are and your purpose and your plans for us. Firstly, Lord, as a body. And then as individuals, Lord. So, Lord, as we've asked, we believe we're going to receive. And as we've been talking about, Lord, I pray we would be pregnant with you. Pregnant, Lord, with more of you. More of you, the word in us. Establish yourself within us more and more, Father. Renew our minds so we're able to see and think according to your ways. For we want to know your ways, not our own. We want to know the ways of the Spirit. We know the ways of the world. We know the ways of man. We desire to know the ways of our Heavenly Father. And so God, reveal in us a measure of yourself. The righteous shall live by faith. I just want to put it out there to two guys just to come forward that was here last night and maybe just share real quick something that he said to you through what you heard. I'm not preaching, but just come and share, give testimony to something you heard last night that maybe you're going to chew on, wants you to chew over something that he may have spoken to you about. Men of righteousness are bold, courageous. So who's going to come forward? Two guys, one from this side, one from this side. Good man, Mike. Um, I'm not really sure what the words that you used, but it was just around um, us being justified. I think that was the, the main thing that got out of it. That doesn't matter where we are, what we've been through, just as long as we just, you know, just keep on looking towards him. That's well done. Thanks, Mike. All right. Yeah, last night, um, this one word that was actually sent out for me, um, belong. And um, I hope that word goes deep into my spirit. And, yeah, I just want to encourage us all as well today. You weren't here last night, guys. We, we talked about belonging, believing, behaving, and how uh, that's the flow. Like to know that you're righteous means you know you belong. It means you belong to him. And uh, I think one of the greatest things that my father, my earthly father did was let me know I belonged. I was a simnor. And it didn't matter about my behavior. I was always going to be a simnor. So my behavior at times didn't align to the value system or the culture that my mother and father created and set. But that didn't mean I wasn't a simnor anymore. It just then my father would lovingly come and discipline me in love and remind me and show me the values of what it meant to be a simnor. But I belonged. And that understanding and that position of belonging created such a confidence in me and assurance in me that it doesn't matter what I did, the love of my mother and my father would always be there. And that is just a physical typology of what the spiritual reality with God is to be. That God says, you're mine. You can't lose me. And you can't lose yourself, your mind. You belong in me, to me. I died for you. I laid my life down for you. So I've made you righteous. I have made you justified through what I have done. 
and you now belong. What an assurance, eh? The assurance of what we hope for, the confidence in we have, the conviction of things that are unseen but are seen by those who are of the Spirit. We're going to look at that this morning. So out of that, then we start to believe. We start to believe. Not like, oh, yeah, I believe. I believe the earth is round, so what? I believe there's a hell, so what? No, no, I believe. I carry a conviction because I belong. And because I know I belong, I now believe. And because I believe, my behavior starts to align itself naturally, innately, because I believe, because I belong. And now I'm actually demonstrating something because of the root system that's now within me. Rooted and established in love. So love comes forth from me. Because I'm a, vine, I'm a branch connected to the vine and the vine is love. Because the branch belongs to the vine, doesn't it? It's phenomenal. And uh, we talked about, guys, talk about wrestling. So um, we talk about God wants to wrestle with us. And uh, God wants to, through the wrestling, reveal in us more and more of who he is and his purposes and his plans. So then we're able to live them out, not only now, but in the future. And the greatest thing that, that uh, I believe we can receive, the two greatest things which will radically change us is a revelation of the Father's love and a revelation of the future inheritance. And too long for too often the church has nullified the future inheritance. Oh, that's irrelevant. That's out of space somewhere. It's completely irrelevant. No, it's not. It was very relevant to the early church was extremely relevant because they saw things in the future by faith through their faith in the Son of God because everything's contained in the Son of God. All hidden wisdom and treasure is found in the Son of God. So if you want to know anything, it's in Him. You don't look outside of Him. Everything is found within Him. He's like a filing cabinet. He's one filing cabinet. When you open the drawers, boom, boom. And the filing cabinet is endless. So everything is found in the Christ. That's why on the revelation of the Christ, I build my people. There's only one door. It's him. So often we try and go around him in his name. And we wonder why we're not in life. It's called pride. And pride births fear. And fear births death. But faith in the Son of God releases life and births life. Habakkuk 2.4, Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by faith. Going to unpack a bit more of that this morning. So three questions. If you weren't here last night, guys, that we're looking at, we looked at last night was what does it mean to be righteous? So as we said, these will be on the website. So if you weren't here, you can go and have a listen to it to help give you context for to right now what I'm about to say. So it will just help because everything's building upon itself. What is this faith that the righteous live by? And what is produced when the righteous live by faith? And we talked about what does it mean to be righteous, but not having a mental understanding. That's one thing, but to have a revealed understanding within us so we carry this position, this posture in Christ in our hearts, which then renews our mind, 
which means then we're able to demonstrate and live it out. Just to have a mental understanding of something, if that's not renewed by the Spirit, will do nothing. You'll be able to talk about it, but you just won't be able to live it. As I said, you'll live like a slave even though you're a son. So you'll profess to be a son. You are a son, but you will live like a slave. You will demonstrate the behavior of a slave. Your language will be like a slave. Your thinking, so your action will be like a slave. What you think you speak, what you speak you hear, what you hear you live out. And so we have to come into a revealed position on everything. The world will tell you, mentally try and understand stuff, you'll have it. Jesus says, understanding starts in the heart of man, in the spirit realm. And through the spirit, the mind is renewed. Transformation comes through the renewing of the mind by the Holy Spirit, not by my ability to understand this thing. Not by my ability to study Hebrew and Greek and then think I understand it. No, this is about the demonstration of it. Christianity is about the demonstration of a life in Christ, not about what I know. I'm sick and tired of that in the church. The world is sick and tired of seeing people who profess something and they can't demonstrate it. They're called hypocrites, Pharisees, profess one thing, do the opposite. Everything Jesus said he was. Why? Because from within him was a realm of the spirit that he was able to demonstrate. I am love. Let me show you. I have mercy. Let me show you. I am peace. When I'm going through this, I'm at absolute peace. I am rest. Everything pertaining to life is found in the Christ, in us. The major problem with that, which is a beautiful thing, is we can't find that without him. Oh, do we try. Don't we? Because we got this thirst for knowledge. We've got this insatiable thirst for knowledge that is put there by God, but because of the fall, it's been tainted and twisted. So we go looking for it, but you know what we can find? False versions of it. I call them runways. We land on the wrong runway thinking we're on the right one. And we profess stuff. And we think we're in it, but somehow we never can demonstrate it. When it's required of you to demonstrate love, we fail short. When we demonstrate to start being generous, everybody puts their hand back in their pockets. So when the hands to come out the pocket with whatever's in its here, it goes back into the pocket because we profess we're generous, we just can't live it. Why? Because we are in a false knowledge of him. It's here, but it ain't here, then coming back to here, so we're then able to demonstrate it. And Paul said, I lived that life from a lot of part of my life. Then I found the Christ, the truth, and through the revelation of the truth within me, I then profess, compared to the life I had, it was rubbish to the life I've now got. And look at the demonstration of my life. The very people I'm killing, I'm living for. The very God I said I worship, I was actually putting down. Now I'm lifting up. For I no longer live for myself. I live for the life in Christ and faith in Christ. See, there is the real deal. It's just whether we're finding it or not.
And it's found through faith. It's found through knowing, firstly, you belong. Through the revelation of knowing you belong, you start to believe. Why? Because we've come to know. What did Peter say? We, be- I, we know. We believe now we know you are the son. And then our behavior, the demonstration, which is the wisdom of God. Christ's life demonstrated in and through the church is the wisdom of God. Not man's ability to study this thing, articulate it beautifully and go, look at the wisdom I know. If you that, then if you're really in that, you will be able to demonstrate the reality. That's how you know. And as I said last night, if we can't see, if we can't recognize our true state, knowing he loves us, okay, but if you can't recognize where you're truly at, then you never acknowledge it. Then you never repent of it. So you never receive. So if you say, yeah, I love God with all my heart. And then we have a look at one's life over three months and let's have a look to see if that's true. We took a video, we took a video of, of Greg's life. So Greg professes something in front of you guys every Sunday. Then we took a video of Greg's life and we played it at the rock. Would we see Greg truly loves God with all his heart or would we see Greg loves himself with all his heart in the name of Christ? And see, if I'm watching that video and the video, the evidence that demands a verdict says to me, you know what, Greg, you're kidding yourself. I love you and it's all good, but you're kidding yourself. See, my love doesn't leave you because your behavior doesn't align to what you say, but I love you, but you're kidding yourself. Here's the reality. The physical, literal demonstration of what you profess. This is what it should look like. Because my love has propelled you into that. So if I'm not humble enough to acknowledge my true state, then I won't turn to him, will I? I'll be living for me because there's nothing wrong. Which means I won't receive what he has for me. So am I humble enough? Do I have the spirit of humility in me? Because if I do, I'm going to see my true state. But you know, the spirit of pride's in me. I won't see a damn thing apart from me. And how well I am and how well I'm doing. The only problem is I don't seem to be able to demonstrate. And that's a problem, isn't it? Still a son. Still loved by God. That doesn't alter God's love for you. It just means that we're not maturing. And we're not growing. Which means we're being limited to what he has for us. So I want to look at faith because this is one of the key things, one of the three top things he says, isn't it? Faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. Oh, the greatest is knowing you belong. Everything in this entire manual food source, Jesus, comes back to him, and he is love. Everything, you can put it down to one word, Jesus. So if you really know Jesus, the way Jesus wants you to know him, you'll come alive. And this is the journey we're on as a family because, let's be honest, we're, he's endless. 
And we're saying we want more. Oh, how we love you. All right. Cool. Then let's go for it. Amen. So let's encourage one another. It's not a competition. Not who knows him more than I do and who's better than me. And look at me, Jack. That's of the flesh again. It's about let's walk this out together. So as brothers in arms, and all the guys that aren't here this weekend, as brothers in arms, we become men of righteousness. The Bible says love covers a multitude of sin. You cover your brother. Whose sons covered him in his nakedness? Noah's sons. Are you covering one another in your brother's nakedness? Am I really going to be my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to be my brother's keeper? Yes. But I got A, B, and C, and D, and E, and F, and Z, Y, Z to take care of. Well, whose kingdom are you building? Live by faith. Faith is a way of being. It's not a way of doing, it's a way of being. And out of that, the doing flows. Faith is a mode of operation that we live from. Faith is a substance. It's not some abstract thing that you hope is going to happen. The Bible says faith is the assurance of what you hope for. It's the conviction of things you haven't yet seen. So faith is a substance. And because the substance of faith lives within, faith in a person, it then generates a mode of being, a way of living. It's a mode of operation. You operate out of and from the substance of faith that lives within you. That makes sense? Some of you look at me a little bit cross-eyed. We are to live from the substance of faith. What Faith in what? Faith in my ability to do things? Faith in my ability or him? Paul said, my faith in the son of man. So the more I know the son of man, the greater faith I'm going to have in the son of man to live the life out because it's a mode of being. It's a way of operating. And it's a releasing way of living life. Because the God that I worship is the God of abundance, yes? There is no scarcity in the son of man. So why am I living a life of scarcity? Why am I living a life of of lack? When the one who bought me, who I belong to, is the one of abundance. There's something wrong with that picture, isn't there? Especially when the door's been opened to live this life, but we still live this life. Is he the problem? Is it my mindset and my heart position as a son that could be the issue? My inability to see him in the spirit for who he truly is, So then I'm able to live the life he calls me to. Because if I can see who he truly is in my heart and my mind through the power of revelation, then the natural innate response is to live a life of faith. It's not, 
heart, it becomes the way of living. So there is a chasm that we have to cross. There is a bridge that we have to cross from one realm and reality, one operating system over here, which is the world, into his one, which is faith. Where this mode doesn't make sense to this one. This one, one and one equals two. This one equals zero and zero equal five. But it works when you live here. But when you live here, you look at it and you go, that can't be right. That doesn't make sense to the mode which I live from. Of course, it never will. Over here is faith. This is the ability to see an unseen reality and live from it. This is the ability to make decisions by faith in an unseen, but because you see it, it's real. So it's as real as that realm. You tracking with me? And you operate in it because you can see it. But those people over there can't see it. So we live according to the realm that's in us. And if he's truly in us more and more, we're going to pattern his life. Because that's what we've been called to pattern, haven't we? Yes or no? So there's a wrestle, isn't there? There's a wrestle for a reality in him that we are to demonstrate. And it's for us. It's for us. It's not for the world. It's for you and I. So I just think, how criminal would it be to get to the end of your life and realize there was all this for you, but because, for whatever reason, fear ultimately, you didn't partake of because we had faith in ourselves and our own ability and everything that we looked at that we I can't accomplish that so we didn't. And he goes, That's right, you can't. The greater the day we realise we can't is the day that life and faith starts. Cause all of a sudden the chasm which is massive and we go like this by faith, like the movie I'm walking. How did Peter walk on water? Anyone tried that lately? We should give it a go. Do you know why? See, if he got out without hearing, come. But he heard. He was quick to hear. And he heard the Father's voice, come to me. You've got to hear the Father's voice. So discern what I'm saying. You've got to discern and hear, hear and obey, walk, start living in the reality. He took his eyes off Christ. He started to sink. He's realizing, I'm walking on water. But through whose power? See, this is this interesting tension, isn't it, between knowing it's you and knowing it's not you. So knowing that I'm speaking and knowing it's not me speaking. But my mouth's moving and I'm physically moving around, but it ain't me speaking. 
And I'm wrestling for this reality more and more that I don't want to utter a single word that's not him. Because then it's not living if it's not him. Here's the challenge, guys. There's two spirits that operate, pride and humility. Spirit of humility is full of faith. Spirit of pride is full of fear. However you want to look at it, blessed are the poor in spirit, theirs is the kingdom. Spirit of pride, theirs is their own empire. And the spirit of humility is connected to faith. The spirit of pride is connected to fear. Because it's in your ability to do. And we have to wrestle with this. The spirit of pride and fear is hard to detect because it masquerades itself as the spirit of faith and humility. It paints itself up as humility and faith, but actually it's masquerading. It's a false humility. And it never is able, once again, to demonstrate what it says. But it can look like, it can look like humility. It's just not. And we have to wrestle with this because in us naturally as men, we're probably more pride-filled than what we realize, than ladies are, even though the same spirit lives in both. And we struggle to let go because part of the design is we're leaders. We're called to fulfill functional roles. And God has given us the wiring for that. But in the spirit reality as well, the same design can get you in trouble if you haven't been brought to a place of humility in your spirit through the power of God. And so the spirit of pride manifests itself. And the spirit of pride is based in fear. So it's fear-driven. And fear always pulls down rather than lifts up. Fear always quenches the spirit and what God's doing rather than lifting it up. Fear always says why things won't work rather than why will they work. Faith, all, faith always, sorry, fear always looks at the negative and it always goes to the negative. And what that does, it quenches the spirit. It quenches the realm of faith. It quenches the possibilities. Let me give you an example. In Genesis 2, 15 to 17, when man and God are in the garden before the fall, and man says to God, you're going to go into the garden and you're going to cultivate it. That's why we love gardening. I never got that grace, so I don't like guarding, so maybe I've got the spirit of pride in me, I don't know. But it's this fascinating picture. Adam and God in the garden. Beauty. It's just incredible beauty, the fullness. It's perfect. They're probably both admiring God's own creation. Check this out. Look at that. Look at that. Look at the abundance. And then I find this interesting thing where God says to Adam, Adam, you are free to eat and partake of any tree here. There's just one tree, one tree that I don't want you to touch. Oh, it's that one over there. But look at my abundance. You're free, 
freely, we sung about last night, you're free to partake. See, that's what faith does. It's free. But with the freedom comes risk. So you're free to partake of any tree, but there's just one tree. It's in the picture, but it's one tree. You know what we do? You know what the spirit of pride, let me say this, the spirit of pride does? The spirit of fear, it goes this. Adam, there's this one tree. It's over there. And we don't want to eat from it. Don't touch that, that one tree. Don't touch it. Yeah, I know there's all this other stuff, but don't touch that. Oh, which one are we going to partake of? Why? Because that's our nature. See, the nature of fear is of man. The nature of faith is of God. And we have to come more and more into his nature. The Bible said God has given us his precious promises that we can partake of the divine nature in Peter. So which one do you find yourself operating from more and more? Do you find yourself operating from the spirit of humility and faith or the spirit of pride and fear? Because the spirit of faith always lifts up. When someone comes and shares with you about God, you're interested, you're active, you're hearing, you're not doing this. Oh, how do you know that's real? How do you know that you know that you know that's real? So you start questioning and doubting. Because the spirit in you, which is of fear, which needs to control and it needs to put someone else inside your box because you might not be able to relate to what's being said because you're not in that position. So what you have to do is you have to limit that down, put it in a box that you can control and understand so you feel safe. And then we go lead other people into that realm. And we do this. How well am I doing? He's going, well done, son, you just quenched my spirit. Well done, you killed the spirit in the room. Well done, you just destroyed and kept everyone at your capacity. Well done. But you think you're doing great things. You have a form of, but no power. You look the part, you just can't demonstrate it, so you're full of something. You. And if you're operating under this, I would ask you today to hear what I'm saying. Hear what the Spirit is saying to you today because you will destroy and kill not only others, you. Because God wants, as Paul said, I live by faith. I don't live by fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. So if we know him more and more, guess what? There is no fear. There is no pride. Why? Because the spirit of faith is connected to the spirit of humility and God is humble. And God says, I elevate those who are humble and those that are proud, I pull down. And this thing tells me here, behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him. Your mind is not right within you if you are of the spirit of fear and pride. Your will is not right within you if you find yourself in this place. Your emotions aren't right if you find yourself in this place within you. That is in your heart and your mind. And God wants to renew all that through the spirit of himself to bring us into his reality. Amen. So which are we operating from, faith or fear? Because if you're a leader, you'll lead from who you are. 
won't we? So fear or faith? Am I living a life of faith, leading my wife into a life of faith, and my children into a life of faith, into my men I walk with into faith, into you as a community of faith? Am I demonstrating a life of faith? Am I becoming the demonstration of God's wisdom? Or the opposite? The spirit of fear always is consumed with getting it wrong. Oh, we can't take this risk, Miles, because if we get it wrong, we're in trouble. What have you got it right? What have you actually got it right in him? No, no, no. We've got to, we, we're going to get it wrong. We can't step out because we might get it wrong. What if it becomes to this or to that or this or that? So we just sit there and we go nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. And we're the same person that we were 20 years ago to what we are today because we're afraid of getting it wrong. But the God we worship is the God of the abundance. He says, you know what, son? I think if I created you before you ever knew you, I think I could align you. I think I've got the ability to turn up in your world and go, hey, hi, <laughs> you know who I am? I'm the creator and I love you. And today, yeah, you slightly went off a little skew, but you know what? I'm just going to grab you and align you. I'm going to send you person A, B, C, and D. They're going to come to help you get an alignment. But you know what? I'm so glad you stepped out. I'm so glad you stepped out in faith. I'm so glad you actually got out of the boat and we're going to give it a go. Because at least you're moving. And I see your heart and I see your desire and I see it so I come. Because I've come to align you to make it right. And then you're going to find the life that you were not finding sitting back there in fear in case you got it wrong. So which one do we want? Hence, in community, walk in under a community. And submit yourself to a community. So as a community walks, not as individuals, as a community, you come into the fullness of what I have. Is that community perfect? No. Is it going to make mistakes? Yes. Are we human? Yes. Are we trying to be the sons of God? Yes. So let's all have love because love covers. But let's think the best in one another because we're our brother's keeper. And let's walk it out together. Amen. By Faith, not in ourselves, not in the gifting, in him. So him that's put the gifting in, but in the gift, in the gift giver, him. And we might just see and be the people he calls us. Who wants to see people drive into the car park and be slayed and healed as they're driving along because this people of oneness are so one in the spirit, crying out for him, knowing their utter dependency on him from a position of humility of spirit, knowing that we can't do it, but as we seek him, he can. He goes, man, I'm being part of that community. I'm going to sit right in the middle of it. And my glory will radiate out of a building, out of a heart and a mind of a person. So when you come into contact with these people and me, because I came to set the captive free, didn't I tell you? I came to heal the sick. I came to bring people into the fullness of the reality which they were called and birthed for, not just on this earth, in the future, so they can come back and spend their entire eternity with me. 
And I'm looking for this people. I've always been looking for her. A whole lot of people are sitting, waiting, cheering these people on already, going, come on, you lot, get your act together. We can't receive our award until you guys get it together. So why they're cheering us on. There's a bit of selfish motive in there. (laughs) Hurry up, come on. Because we can't receive our fullness of what until you do. So stop living for self, the life I know I live. I no longer live for me. Why? Because I know I belong. And because I belong, I believe. And because I believe, my behavior is starting to align itself. And man, I'm starting to live this life of righteousness. I find myself being able to love, being generous, being able to be the very thing he's calling to me. Not because it's me, because Christ in me is being built and established within me through the living word. And then Christ threw me to a world is seeing it happen. So what is this faith? It's his version of faith and not our own. Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. So he's speaking, it's speaking in stereo to us. <laughs> Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. This is God's reference for faith. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, what? Faith. This kind of faith. The men of old, who are those people? Everyone written in Hebrews 11. Gained approval. Do you know Abraham was made righteous? Why? Why was Abraham made righteous? What was he made righteous by? What was he made belonging by? His faith. So it wasn't the sacrifice of an animal. It wasn't the sacrifice of Christ. Although it was. His faith, his ability to see carry a conviction in the spirit of what is and receive it. Can you hear what I'm saying? His ability to actually, faith is the conviction, the knowing of something that you can't see, but you can see. So it's not seen in the natural. Was Jesus around in the physical like he was when he, you know, when he, when he appeared? No. Although the spirit and you see different things happening in there and he's been at the beginning of time. So yes, but sort of no, you know. But Abraham is able to see Christ. That's what John 8.56 says. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. You what? How do you, how, how do you see things in the future? Because faith does. Faith has the ability to see what's unseen making it seen and receive it. And this is the life that Paul said I live by. I live by faith in the Son of God. See, all these people lived according to this type of faith. 
can, can, are we grasping the magnitude of who we're called to be? Are we starting to grasp the magnitude of, of that we are not human, although we are? We have the spirit of the living God in us to lead us into the fullness of everything that's him and who he is. Not becoming many gods, becoming sons. What is creation longing for? Who are they? Oh, no, not me, Chris. Some other people. So it's this thing of being a son, belonging, becoming the son of maturity, yes? Were you mature when you were born? Did you look up to your dad and go, Dad, I want to be like you? I want to be as mature as you are, Dad. Maybe even more. If you had a good role model, okay, there's always hard because this picture is not perfect, is it? But imagine you had a real great dad. Imagine going beyond your father's maturity. I'm talking about in the physical now, but now in the spirit. Now you can't go beyond, obviously, God in the spirit. So we're sons. But mature sons live by faith. And the Bible tells me that faith is the assurance of what I'm hoping for, the conviction of things unseen. So because I'm in the spirit and I'm abiding in the spirit and the spirit's in me and I'm spending time like Mary at the feet, then he's showing me things in the spirit in me because he's revealing these things in me, which means I'm able to see them, receive them now and live for them. Because the power of that living sight, the promise that I've seen is living and it's received within me and now I'm living from it. Are you tracking with me? Okay. So Hebrews 11, 13. Let's have a look at this and then we'll wrap it. Because once again, it's a conviction. All these died in faith. Or who are these? All these people that are being mentioned here in Hebrews chapter 11. Without receiving the promises. Hold on a minute. Did Abraham receive Isaac? That was a promise, wasn't it? So what promises is he talking about? Because it tells me, unless I haven't got my glasses on, um, that all these died in faith without receiving the promises. So there are promises that they never received, but they saw them, having seen them and welcomed them from a distance. So there are these promises that they haven't received, although they did receive promises, earthly ones. Awesome. God has earthly promises for you. He has eternal promises for the church. When I say you, I mean the church. And these guys, it says here, but having seen them, they welcome them from a distance. So faith is the conviction of things not seen here, but seen. I pray the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in the knowledge of God. So then your faith, which sees the unseen in Christ, lives and you can receive. And now live out the life of that promise. So the Bible says that the overcomer will sit next to Christ, doesn't it? 
The overcomer is promised to sit next to Christ. Ah, yeah, whatever. What time's lunch? What time's afternoon tea? That's, that's a nice thought. Yeah, whatever. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, let me, let me, all right. Maybe I spoke in Japanese or something. The overcomer is promised to sit next to Christ. When? In a future reality. Can you see that from a distance and receive it, welcome it through faith in him? Where that is now living in here and here. So now the power of the promise is in you. The word is in you. And now you're living from that power. Because the Bible says Jesus is the power of God. He is the wisdom of God. He will clothe us in power. There's power contained in his word, in the Son, through the Holy Spirit, which is to be in us. See, this is the whole point of the word Jesus. Not the words, the word. But how do we come into that? Oh, great question. Through fear. (laughs) Through the proud in spirit, because we all think we're already there. And look what I can tell you. No, no. Through the spirit of humility, because the spirit of fear and pride has been snapped and broken through the love of the Father, which once again brings me into this other reality and realm. Remember, of the spirit, not my working. I won't break me. I'm going to keep me in pieces. I'm going to keep me in one hole. So now, because the spirit of humility is in me, love I'm right at my father's feet. In fact, I'm sitting with him and he's sharing his intimate. For it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. For it is the glory of kings to search it out. Bible says in John 12, he says, if you serve me, you must follow me. And where I go, you will be. If you serve me with your life here on earth, No longer living for yourself and your empire and what you want. If you serve me, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, discover my purposes, my plans, discover me. No, you belong to me. You must follow me. And where I go, there you will be. John 12, 24 to 26. Ah, let me give you another promise. Revelation 3, 21. Those who overcome because they've served me. And they followed me and they've overcome. They get to receive the promise that's promised in a future realm. This is now, isn't it? Yes. This is the now promise. Oh, look what happens if you fulfilled the now promise. You get the future promise. You want the future promise? Oh, no, what time's lunch? See, that will mean nothing to you if you try and understand it in your carnal mind. It'll be lovely, nice words on a page, we're whippy-o, whippy-i, who really cares? If that is revealed in you, that will make me and you come more and more alive and let go of our lives. It's the power to let go of us. See, God gives us himself, which is his power to let go of us. So we need to know who he is, which is why we've been banging on and we're going to continue to bang on about knowing him. Because if we know him more and more, you know what? 
we're becoming less, which means we're living for him, which means we're receiving everything that's on offer for sons. So who's limiting the process? Why? Because ultimately I may have a spirit of pride, which is anchored in faith. Because it doesn't quite align to my level of capacity to store it in this thing that God's given me. Because what you just said, Simnor, seems so like futuristic and out there, it almost sounds irrelevant. Do you know what? It's the most relevant truth you can capture along with his love. But it comes through faith. By faith, we understand that the worlds were brought into existence through the word. Think about that. You can do that two ways. You can use it as as an argument against evolution, but flip it on its head. The word brought something into being. Sorry, nothing into something. So he says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. Who's the word? Is it the words in a book that we study or is it a person we get to know? The word sets us free. The word spoke and there was light. So are we dieting on the word? Are we communion and in union with the word? Are we being fed through the bread? Who is the bread of life? Because it says by faith in the word, we understand that we're here because he spoke. Can we capture once again the enormity of what it really means to know the word? I love that in small pieces. That's awesome. But it's small pieces that he can enlarge, eh, bro? It's like, Are you telling me that if I eat you and drink you for who you really are through the power of revelation, the power of the spirit, that I'm going to become more like you? And then because the word in me, which richly dwells within me, performs a work within me, I now find myself living this set-apart, consecrated life unto you, this undistracted, yes, because the word is powerful. That one promise of a bond servant, if we can capture that one promise in Revelation 22, that the bond servant, called all to be bond servants, name, God's name, written on your forehead, will see his face, minister, serve the Lord. The power behind that one promise within, I'm living by faith. It sets me free from this other realm. The power of it, propels me forward. Does that make sense? So you can't change you. So by faith, Abel offered to God. By faith, Enoch. By faith, Noah. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Moses. By this faith, the true knowledge of God, we carry the substance that is in us. We, the righteous, are to live by. I no longer live for myself, Paul said. That got me nowhere. One day, God turned up. Before I was ever formed, he chose this day for me. 
I was marked and nailed. You've been marked and nailed, already assigned, already committed to know him. This is the day your mind, boom, in you. He went from one realm to another and said, the life I now live in the flesh, the life I live here on the planet, I no longer live in faith in my ability to understand because that got me killing, it got me going backwards. That mode of being is still operating in the church today. I've discovered the real mode of operation, which is by faith in the Son of God, and it births life, it lifts up, it does not quench, it does not release anything that brings people down. It's not self-protecting or self-trying to keep itself alive. See, the spirit of fear and pride is self-preserving. It thinks of itself before anybody else. It protects itself. It holds. It's an orphan spirit. Can you hear me? Because I know there are some guys in here need to hear this. It's an orphan spirit. An orphan holds on to. I'm not going to get any more food. There's only one meal a day in this home, and it's mine. See, it protects itself. It looks for self-preservation. You can't have. The spirit of fear and humility releases. Why? Because it's got faith in him. It knows him, and it lives accordingly. So it's an open book. It's always putting itself second. That sounds biblical. Sounds like Christ. He came. He was sacrificial. He was selfless. He was set apart. He was sent. You and I called to be selfless, sacrificial, set apart, sent by faith. Amen. Father, I thank you for this time. Lord, as we enter into discussion in our groups, Lord, I pray that Christ in us would speak. I pray, Lord, if we're struggling with spirit of fear, pride, I pray you'd meet us. I pray we would, you'd show us if we are. Lord, so often we don't even know. We can't see it in ourselves and we need you to show it. We need you, your light to birth into us so we can see and acknowledge it and repent from it and receive more of you. Lord, I pray as we discussed, words of life would come forth from our spirit. I pray, God, you would reveal yourself in us more as we speak. I pray you just speak directly through us and we'd be in awe and wonder of knowing that, my goodness, that was amazing. That wasn't me. It didn't come out of me. And, Lord, I just pray that we would be growing and receiving more and more and more of you as we just discuss with one another. Lord, give us eyes to see in the spirit through this spirit of humility. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.